and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Tara Minton and Ed Barber. So time to wallow in a joyous jazz duet. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to the second episode of our ninth series of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. And I hope 2022 is treating you all very well so far. As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure you subscribe. And you could even write a little review on Apple or whatever podcast player allows you to give feedback. I will like that very much. Uh, and also, if you want to check out more about the podcast um, that we're talking about today, check out the show notes for extra info and links. And elsewhere, especially for live music lovers, whilst my early bird tickets are long gone, you can still buy general admission uh, at just £17.50 to see the Tony Kofi Quintet playing the awesome music of Cannibal Adley on the 12th of February here in Watford. Plus, plus, plus! As if I need to remind you, but our full May festival lineup has been announced and tickets are on sale. So get amongst it, you all, at watfordjazzjunction.com. Now, to business. Today, I am joined by a harpist, vocalist and songwriter, originally from Melbourne in Australia, who blends lyrical folk, jazz, soul and blues, and has performed across the world. She is also one third of the fabulous Jazz Podcast. Plus... I'm joined by a bass player who's appeared on more TV shows and played with more jazz outfits than seems possible, whilst also being a teacher and being director of the Blues and Roots Ensemble. It can only be the fabulous Tara Minton and fantastic Ed Barber. Tara, Ed, hello. How are you both? Hello. Hey. It's great to be on. Very exciting. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, well, tip top. Thanks very much. The, um, so we're recording this just before Christmas and I'm, I'm full of festive cheer. But I'm sure by the time this goes out in January, we'll all be very, very COVID depressed and sad in the world. But hey, what can you do? Um, so where are you in the world? Tara, where are you located right now? I'm in Greenwich, London. Oh, very fancy pants. And Ed? Uh, less fancy. I'm in Loughborough Junction, just near Brixton. Ah, now, did you know that Loughborough Junction has the, or used to have the highest teenage pregnancy rate in Europe? Wow, I don't think I've added to that, but that's good to know. I'm sure our listeners will be assured. Um, <laughs> and Tara, <laughs> do, do you know Elliot Galvin and Laura Jurd? They live around the corner in Greenwich. I know Laura, I don't know Elliot. Ah, well, you just need to bump into them at the Naval College or some such. Um, so, what I would like to know is, Tara, I shall start with first. Um, how, 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 how? Were you always born to be a harpist? I want to go back to being a little Tara. What, what grabs your fancy <laughs> about music? Has it always been the case? Yeah. Yeah, no, I have always been obsessed by it. And then uh, my mum made the dire mistake of putting on a Marx Brothers movie when I was 10. What? And uh, Harpo Marx plays the harp and I decided that that was what my life's work must be. And nobody thinks about, you know, the fact that you'll be driving a people mover and living on the ground floor for the rest of your life when you're 10. <laughs> of course. But this does also explain the cigar and moustache that you're sporting. Um... <laughs> Now, um, and then, and then, Ed, were you born to play the bass, or were musical beginnings somewhat different? I started life as a flute player, believe it or not. So, opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Um, and then it was I was working playing in the local music service, and it was suggested that I take up double bass. Um, yeah. A few years later. Why were you that bad on the flute? Terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it felt like it felt very natural after that. It very much felt like that was far more suited to me. 
amazeballs. And you, did you go to go to sort of like music college route and the rest is history? Yeah, mine was a bit more convoluted than that. I ended up at music college a bit later. I did an under, academic undergrad first and then did a musical postgrad at college after Ooh. Oh, we like we like a, a slightly different route, Ed. What what what's your uh, what you a graduate of? Uh, I studied English literature and music at Leeds University, and then read music performance and music education at Trinity College of Music. After that, hold on, Ed brighter than looks. Okay, Tara. <laughs> I did an undergrad in uh, musical theatre, which is mostly leotards and spirit fingers, lots of sun time. <laughs> And, uh, oh, I love it. Yeah, then I did a postgrad at the Guildhall in jazz. Right. And that was at some point as you transferred from Australia to here or had you already moved for your undergraduate studies? I did my undergrad in Australia and then right. I spent a good 10 years exploring music and then did my master's in the UK in 2018. Got it. So I've got, I've got, I've got how it has come together. So the final part of my, uh, my story that I need to complete in my head is how did you two meet? What happened? Why, 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 why? We met on stage at the Ashdod Jazz Club in 2013 in July. Good memory. Yes. <laughs> so were you like forged together or were you playing in different outfits and you just went high? No, Ed was part of the house band and it's like one of these jazz clubs that operate in the town hall and it happens once a month and all of the old people come and they invite a guest. And yeah. I was the guest and Ed had the pleasure or displeasure, depending on how he feels, of playing my music for an evening. Well, he must have enjoyed it. Is that right, Ed? Yeah, it was good. It was, I mean, it was oddly... I was, <laughs> yeah, it was really good. <laughs> well, I was, it was, I was oddly depping for a friend on that gig, so it was the first time I'd done the house band oh. on double bass. Uh, so it was like a kind of, yeah, an interesting blend of fortunes in that I kind of wasn't supposed to be on the gig in the first place. And then when we met, we, we kind of... Clicks, obviously, and got really well playing. And and was Tara your first harpist, so to speak? Uh, yeah, I think so. Certainly in a classical context. I worked for a, a really crazy contemporary music group called Circuit around 2010 to 2012. Yeah. And they had a, a, like a contemporary music harpist in that, which is fun. But certainly in a small ensemble setting or harp-led ensemble, yeah. that was the first one. And, and I sort of want to get into it a bit um, when, we, when we talk about the album, but I'm going to guess the relationship between bass player and harpist is very intimate because there's not a lot to hide anything is there i mean you're 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 both plucking or occasionally bowing in ed's case but you really have to understand what each other is up to or otherwise it just becomes a bit of a mess right or is that too simple i mean i still don't think i understand how tara harp works <laughs> but i think musically you need to understand what you're, what you're doing of course okay so i am going to get onto your beautiful new record uh which is entitled two for the road uh which i've also Yay. had the great opportunity uh, to have a sneak preview of um i should say it features stan saltzman uh, in bits on tennis sax and lilia uh is that right Ion Shiver, no one's quite Ion sure. Shiver. Yeah, okay, well, Lilia on percussion. Um, and to my innocent ears, it sounds, uh, how shall I say, mesmeric in parts, joyful in others, uh, especially with your choices of uh, On the Sunny Side of the Street and Blackbird by the Beatles, uh, which sort of stand out in that sort of, oh, that was unexpected. Um, and then there's this sort of real mix, a rap of poignancy and elegance uh, and reflection. And just overall, it's lovely, uh, and it genuinely demands to be listened to with your full attention. So I just want to know more about it. How did it come about? Whose idea was it? Why, 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 why? Well, we love playing together, and through the years we've ended up, we've ended up on a lot of concerts, just Ed and I. 
you know, through budget cuts or, or um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like logistics, we can both fit in my car. Um, just. <laughs> yeah, just. Well, hold on. I mean, what, what, what are you driving? Like, I, drive a, I drive a Ford Galaxy. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. It's not a Honda Jazz like me because she couldn't take it. I mean, I know she no. can take a double bass, but I think she couldn't take a harp as well. No. We could fit a harp, a double bass, and one of our partners in the car with us. Kudos and big ups to the Ford Galaxy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I've, I've somewhat become distracted. So, yeah, we, we, we just, we love playing together. We, um, and, you, you know, you get to that point as musicians where you start to really understand each other's playing and you can almost preempt what they're going to do and you feel very supported. Well, I feel very supported by Ed. Mm. Previously, before this, I've always had another harmony instrument playing on our records and I felt like now was the time to take off the training wheels and be the harmony instrument. Oh yeah, indeed, the time to shine. And Ed, do you find the Tara's lead line, her everything, I guess, because she's doing vocals and playing all the chords and setting the tune and everything, suits you well? Or is there a little bit of you that misses the hold on, where's the drum kit, where's the piano, where's the lead instrument, like on a trumpet or whatever? I mean, what, what is it that attracts you to just such a paired back duet setup? I think, I mean, GI context story is lovely in terms of there's certainly an intimacy of working with just one other person. You can just really get into their mindset of playing with them. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, the role of the bass in this ensemble is, is tough because it's, yeah, taking care of time um, without drums and especially some of our, like, music's quite intricate. Mm. moving through different styles, moving through different time signatures. Yeah, like the focus on time is, needs to be really essential um, with no drums. And then just like the differing roles that we can have. So sometimes Tara can look after the bass line in her lower strings and it frees me up to play some more melodic yeah. material. Um, or sometimes, you know, we'll have some unison stuff together, which is really great. Or sometimes it's just, you know, the usual double bass role of just gluing things together and holding things down. Yeah. Um, but it's all maybe slightly more exposed but in a good way like it's it, it's the double bass is lost in this ensemble it's it's pushing the heart to the front of the ensemble but pushing the bass up there as well and yeah. um, so it's it's good it's nice to be listened to yeah i think musically i think anyone that that listens to to music uh a lot will hear and respect um a lot of the stuff that's going on in terms of the interplay and knowing you know exactly what you talk about when stuff swaps and changes and who's taking which line um, but I was also going to say, and this may be heresy for the, what, for jazz podcast, but I don't think you need to be into jazz to get the album. I think not least because you are there are you know some covers in there, aren't there, that are that are more familiar tunes. And you know, I've already mentioned mentioned the Beatles. You're just sort of left with the, the, the beauty of the music, and it's and it's lovely. And, and obviously, Tara, with your singing, one one is transported away, and, and you sort of left trusting what's going on. Is that sort of what you were looking to achieve, or is? Have I, as usual, simplified stuff to the point of stupidity? No, not at all. I actually love that. And I um, I genuinely don't understand why people seem to feel like mainstream is a criticism. Mm. I'm happy if people like the record. And I'm even happier if they buy it. <laughs> of course. And many, many people will now they've listened to the to the What For Judge Junction podcast. So what is it you are actually looking to achieve individually from making music is it joy is it connection is it just scratching that inner itch what what is it that propels you both forward not just as jazz musicians you know just, just as people you know making music i mean that's a huge question oh, yes. i think my roles these are the big questions <laughs> uh, uh yeah i think my intentions are slightly different to tara's tara's certainly i mean i'll let tara speak for herself but being a band leader is definitely different to someone who's um a supporting musician mm. uh for me as a double bass player like my enjoyment comes from playing lots of different projects um from working with different musicians although i mean having said that tara and i seem to work on so many of each other's projects that we all work together which is lovely 
Um, but just, yeah, my enjoyment is just comes from like filling my life with music, but in loads of different contexts, rather, you know, one-to-one teaching, large group jazz education, outreach teaching, you know, big band playing, chamber music, orchestral music, or, you know, or small jazz ensemble playing. My, my, my vibe in life is to play with as many creative and interesting projects as possible across as many genres as possible. Um, I haven't quite got that thirst for like putting something of my own out. Um, that's creative that's not really my scene I love I love taking people's other like other people's creativity and, and kind of working to my best ability to to make their music sound as good as possible and to immerse myself in their music yeah um whereas I think Tara will probably say something quite different yeah that's really really interesting Tara is that uh is that a similar case for you or do you have a different narrative oh completely different Obvs. <laughs> I'm an artist and not to say that it is not, but I um, have always felt like I had to express something that was within. And I think part of that comes from growing up in Australia. I, I've got all sorts of different nationalities in, in my um, past. Mm. And in a country that's very young and doesn't really have that much of a national identity, like, say, Italy or the UK, we, we, we feel very British or I'm very mm. Italian, Whereas Australians, we've got, you know, thongs and, and beach cricket. <laughs> so, you know, and, and when you've got such a European connection as I do, you, I remember feeling quite adrift as a young person. Yeah. Um, not quite sure what my identity was. Yeah. And so I think through music, it's a search for, it's a search for identity. And then through the years, I've got to play in some amazing places and meet some incredible people. And I do feel like I'm telling a story that will live after I'm gone. Mm, very interesting. The um, James Morrison. Do you know James? Trumpeter? I, not personally, you yeah. know. Not, not to be confused with the other James Morrison, uh, who I hope people do confuse him with in terms of getting podcast listeners. Uh, but anyway, James Morrison, <laughs> the trumpeter, uh, is Australian and uh, he was on this show a few episodes back. And he was talking about the experience of growing up in Australia. Uh, and for him, it was very much tied in with family but also that look and that hunt, that opportunity to connect with other musicians and then spread his wings, uh, so to speak, because you suddenly realise there's a much bigger story to be told and to be part of. Do you find that urge to travel is is twinned with your desire to express your creativity? Oh, completely. As soon as I realised that there was a bigger world out there, I needed to be in it. I mean, I, I went to Indonesia on exchange my mum loved travelling too, and I used to, you know, from a really early age, pull out her um, photo albums from under the bed and look at her photos from her travelling. I thought Love she was it. this magical creature. And so music is the most beautiful way to do that. And then the cultural exchange of music, of meeting people and musicians from all over the world and, and sharing. Like the other day I was learning some maqab, I think you say it, Arabic scales from a beautiful musician, Faris Ishak from Palestine. Mm. Like that is one of the greatest joys of life. Absolutely. And then really, I think then a sort of further question to that to you both um, is you have travelled, but also you are playing all the time with people who travel. Do you find that there are, and this isn't trying to be jingoistic in any way, shape or form, but do you find there are countries where it's easier to, to mix and work with others? Or do you find it refreshing to go to a country that's actually, you know, really confident in its own narrative of music? And I want to know really sort of what are, where are the favourable places in the world to play and where do you look forward to going? Or is it just sort of any and everywhere? Tell you what, Lithuania. 
Oh yeah, we, we like Lithuania. That was oh. of, that was in my conscience earlier in the week, musically. Go on. They love it. Damn right. I went there on tour in 2015. You know, I'm not famous and I play jazz harp, so it's rather the niche. And I tell you what, I sold out the entire tour. I don't know how they found out about it. I think they just have their ear to the ground and if anything exciting's happening, they all come out. And the biggest question I was asked was, thank you, but why have you come? And they just were so up for it. They really loved it. And I had the best time and was made to feel so welcome. And I Yeah, I have heard some amazing Lithuanian musicians and they properly take risk as well in terms of jazz and it's totally... Yeah unique and amazing and, and, and pushing it. Well, I played with a, a Lithuanian rhythm section. Nice. So I met them the night before we started the tour and we played all night um, and then and then toured for five days and it was a joy. Oh, I can see I can see the way your face lights up thinking about it. Ed, do you have sort of favourite countries or places that you go to? Yeah, I mean, my, my travel is slightly, slightly different in terms of I tend to work quite intensely during the year yeah. and then actually quite often take a month off or certainly during my 20s I used to take a month off every year to travel but to kind of refresh and get away from music um so other than Cuba which is an amazing trip to to kind of learn about music most of my travel has been Central or South America and has involved kind of surfing trips um and it's just like regain headspace to get back and when I get back to Europe and then kind of fully refreshed to get back into playing but in terms of favorite countries to play I think um I've always worked with amazing musicians in Holland, always had great responses to gigs in Holland. Um, Tara and I've been out there a few times. Yeah. Um, and I've like played with some, yeah, some amazing large international ensembles in Holland and, and really enjoy playing out there. So that's kind of, other than England, that's probably my favourite country to play. Amazeballs. Yeah, and big up to the Dutch. We love it. We, cool. we love the Dutch. We love all the nations on the <laughs> for Jazz Junction. There seems to be a great contemporary music scene in Holland. Yeah. And again, like Tara said, just people up for going to gigs. Um, and played in a festival in Utrecht that was just, yeah, like mesmeric for the people that, that were there playing, but also just some of the music that was played was really pushing boundaries and, and everyone just seemed so into listen to it. It was, it was really great. Yeah, I hope we never get into the situation in the UK where we take live music for granted. Right, it is now time for my beautiful pairing spectacular quiz. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, board oh, ready. Okay, here we go. Harp and bass, yes. Minton and barber, Yes. But my following list of great bass players and harp players have sadly fallen out with their respective bassists and harpists. So they are now turning to other instruments to accompany them. Question one is to Ed. Charles Mingus is looking to play with someone. Who would you suggest joins him on the piano? Ah, oh, man. Sugar. <laughs> That's not a question I was expecting at all. Um, okay. Um... Mingus's like earthy, bluesy, rich style, um, kind of steeped in gospel history, which is really great. And everything he played was quite American, but he took other influences. I think the most amazing concert that I've been to, maybe in the last five years, was seeing um, Shane Maestro at Cadogan Hall um, and, and all of his uh, influences that he took. And I think between the two of them, I think that would be an amazing pairing. Bam! See. But that's a ridiculous question to be hit with early doors. Bam! You wait for question three, Ed. Uh, question two to Tara. Alice Coltrane is looking for a musical buddy, but who is best to join her on vocals? I've got to say, I played last night with Eska, mm. and uh, she was phenomenal. She's always wanted to play with a harp. She's a huge Alice Coltrane fan, and 
had a lot of Björk in her. Yeah. So I should say Björk, but actually I'm going to say Eska because she was out of this world. Bam! We like it. And contemporary. Nice. Okay, you've got one question left each of this section of the quiz. Uh, Question three is, so obviously back to Ed. Ron Carter needs some extra beats. Who is going to be best on the drums for Ron? Um, I'm going to go modern again. Cool. Um, and man, it might have even happened, to be fair. Go on. But um, I really liked the Ron Carter later years branching out and trying to be a bit more hip and his like French hip hop collective crossover stuff that he started doing. And uh, that kind of scene. And I'm just like totally rogue, but I'd love to hear a Mark Giuliana, Ron Carter duo project to see what they came up with. Bam! We're going to take it. I saw Ron Carter in, at Birdland a couple of years ago. Yeah. And like, man, not to diss Ron Carter, but it was it was like uh, four cellists and then a Ron Carter trio at Birdland. And it was like very ethereal and very lovely. But at the same time, you just kind of wanted him to dig in a bit more and give a bit more like groove. Like what he's, I know he's like in his 80s, but just like it would have been lovely to have heard him play a, yeah, bit, Ed, Ed, a bit more, a bit more gritty stuff. Go easy on the Carter. question four back to tara dorothy ashby yearns yearns she does for some more chords but who is best to accompany her on the guitar oh (laughs) oh oh it's hard so my uh one of my new musical crushes is a phenomenal kiwi musician who also studied in uh holland in the netherlands Ashton Sellers. Nice. Oh, w- what a ridiculous musician. Yeah. Uh, and he's also he's also a producer. And you know Dorothy Ashby got into that more modern... Yeah. Uh, I feel like between his guitar playing and his production and beat making, it would be a magical period. Take it to the next level. Well, we love this. I might do this quiz again. Um, so, my, <laughs> now, Ed said rogue already, but my final rogue question five is for you both to consider. Imagine, if you will... A perfect meal for two, but you can have your own drinks. What drink would perfectly accompany your food, Tara? What would you drink? Imagine your favourite meal. What drink would you have? New Zealand Pinot Noir. Okay. And Ed? Probably wouldn't be suited to any food, but just any excuse to have a strong Negroni. Strong play. Um, you're actually both wrong. Uh, Tara should have gone <laughs> for a cool glass of harp lager, and Ed, it should have been a, a pint of bass <laughs> base. There you go, best bitter. But never mind, you tried. (laughs) Um, Throughout that quiz, I've been keeping a score. And I'm going to just quickly tally up. Uh, You have 22, uh, which is not bad. And actually perfectly symmetrical, 2 plus 2. And very excitingly, it does put you top of Ed and Tara's beautiful pairing spectacular quiz leaderboard. And you should be very proud. (laughs) So, my set question for you both, Tara and Ed. Tara, you are quoted, quoted no less, as saying... All art tells a story. Whatever the medium, the story is the most important thing. So I wonder, is music without a story still worthwhile? Or is it just not possible to create without narrative? Discuss! There is a reason for creating. Nobody nobody just um, creates music for no reason. Even if we're just humming down the street, nobody starts humming... You're humming because you're nervous or because you're happy or you know, every everything we create has a reason. So for you in that sense, it goes deep into your soul, into the legacy of from where you've come. Everything you've heard, everything that others have heard has all led up to that moment of humming, that moment of, of, of musical production, whatever it may be. 
Do you feel then a huge weight of responsibility for what you then express? No, I don't. Uh, well, so, yeah, yes. Ooh, cocky, Minton. <laughs> cocky. I feel like this is a bizarre thing to say, but I'm going to say it because I'm a harpist and we're all strange. Um, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm channeling, I'm channeling music rather than composing. Right. So sometimes, I mean, I've got like, I don't know, three bubbles up there of records that exist and they come around to the front of my mind eventually when they're ready to be released into the world and I'm like oh I'll I'll write you now Um, Hmm. and part of it you know there's a little bit of me that thinks oh I better not mess this up um, because it's so perfect there in the bubble but a part of me also thinks well I can't because it's already in existence I just have to channel it like a vehicle so to speak you are yeah sharing what's what's above yeah do you do you share in that ed because i think that ties ties in a little bit to what you were saying about expressing and playing with others yeah but again my role is kind of sharing other people's visions rather than like necessarily having a, a big kind of vision of my own i think tara's tara's job as a band leader is to outline to the band what she sees and how she wants her music to be prepared and my job as a kind of session bass player is to make the music as close to Tara's vision as possible um, and that's through not only my own playing but how I interact with Tara her music and the other members of the ensemble and that's something that I really enjoy so then from also just to sort of round off on this Ed because of your background in English literature do you find therefore it's most important for you to hear what the story is specifically in this case that Tara's trying to share or do you prefer to sort of work out the story yourself um, it can be, and I think different band leaders are, are kind of specific in different things. I remember recording one album uh, where the first half of the album was supposed to kind of portray innocence and the second half was supposed to be a bit more joyous. And I remember the, the trio I was working with hadn't played together for a while and we were keen to get stuck involved. We really dug in and like really played out and the band leader kept on being like, no, you need to tone it down, you need to tone it down. And it was, it felt quite unnatural for us, but he was saying like the narrative of the story isn't where you're taking it at the moment and we need to we need to change the narrative for that it almost felt Mm. stifling but then the end result was really good if that makes sense whereas i think with tara's with tara's mermaid album the like structure of the album everything was really clear from the start and actually the 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 way that the tunes were composed and the way that the album was kind of through composed made actually my job as a musician really easily because like the, the 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 thought process behind the album was was really was really obvious so Actually, when we got stuck into play, it, it made total sense and you can kind of adjust your playing accordingly, I think. I want to interrupt just a little bit uh, because, like, obviously you're an amazing session bassist, Ed. I like the fact you had to qualify <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, especially on this record, Two for the Road, but also on, on the Mermaid record as well, you know, you, you were a significant collaborator and, and an artist in your own right. Mm. I think you're doing yourself a disservice by saying oh there's definitely there's definitely musical suggestions that we can make it wasn't like i was just playing you can definitely like make suggestions in rehearsals and things like that but the overall album was like was your vision of like you know i didn't come up with a a a, a, an album all about climate change told through perspective of mermaids and obviously in the rehearsals leading up to it you can have you know you can have suggestions on how what might make the music sounds a certain different way definitely but it was it was certainly your vision as an album but also, when I write, I I write for musicians. I um I know who mm. my personnel are before we begin, and so the f- the fact that you know we're friends, we've been playing together for so long, and who you are as a person and as a musician influences how I write. 
And of course, this is very interesting. This is very good <laughs> and, and really lovely to hear you both discussing it and, and what it means to you. Um, right. Top three album time. Uh, what I want to know is which albums you go back to again and again. But because there are two of you, I'm only going to ask you for one album each and then a third one on which you can both agree. So, Tara, do you want yeah. to go first? Blue, Joni Mitchell. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? That, I knocked that out of the park for me a few years ago because I listened to it concurrently with um, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. And, they, <laughs> and I literally, it sounds crazy, but they both vied for my attention in this period of time when I was at university. And I can barely listen to it anymore uh, because I've over-listened to it, but it's absolutely beautiful album. And when I play it now, I almost cry immediately because it brings back a whole load of memories. Um, so, Blue, Joni Mitchell, Bosch, Ed. Uh, I think I should choose a Mingus album just because I spent most of my last... Well, you quite like it. Yeah, last 10 years. Uh, so I'd either go and let my children hear music or The Clown, which are like two completely contrasting albums. But I think just for what I consider quite groundbreaking and just like bluesy swing and so much humour and just incredibly melodic writing... Um, the Clown would be like my one album that I really love listening to. Brilliant. And I think I'm right in saying that we've 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 had neither of those albums oh, uh, in, in the top three recommendations before. Right. So no pressure, but you have to agree on a third album. What, mate, it Music is small and large ensemble. Yeah. <laughs> Music for small and large ensemble. Kenny Wheeler. Sorry, I, sorry, I'm writing my stuff down <laughs> as well. Yeah, and Kenny Wheeler doesn't come up as often as he should. I mean, he gets mentioned a lot, but I think that's only the second album recommendation from Kenny Wheeler. So we have Joni Mitchell, we have Charles Mingus, we have Kenny Wheeler, and we are very happy. And well done on agreeing. That was very, very swift. So it is finally time to sort out our house band and the very reason you came on to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Some say, well, I always do, that it's the most eclectic and extraordinary fantasy band in podcast show business. Right now, we have Jerry Allen on piano, Elvin Jones on the drum kit, Charles Mingus, would you believe it, Ed, on bass, Alex Garnett uh, on tenor sax, Joe Tempoli on bass saxophone, John Hassel on trumpet, Mark Nightingale on trombone. We have three vocalists with Norma Winston, Carmen McRae and Betty Carter. And we have Alice Coltrane on harp. It's like we set it up for you. Um, So we have 11 players in total. Now... Your task is to remove one musician, if you fancy, but also to bring in a new player from any point in jazz history. Who, how and what should you like to do to the Watford Jazz Junction Fantasy House Band? I would like to remove Ellis Coltrane and put Dorothy Ashby in, please. Straight talking. Coltrane is out. Did not see that coming. I thought she was a, a lifer. So Dorothy Ashby is in. And Ed, because I'm all heart, you can you can have a tinkle. Oh, uh, uh, it's a pretty good band you've got. I think maybe replace Jerry Allen. Okay. Um, and yes. I just wanted to put Bill Evans in there. Oh, yes. What a wow. shout. Just because I feel like we should have some Bill Evans influence in that band. Well, believe it or not, we have two newbies in the Watford Jazz Junction fantasy band uh, because neither Bill Evans nor Dorothy Ashby have ever been in the band. So this is very exciting. New blood. And we thank Jerry Allen and we thank <laughs> Alice Coltrane for their tireless efforts over the months, over the days, over the weeks. Uh, very exciting. Well, listen, uh, I would like to thank you both very much for being with us today, Tara and Ed. Um, how do we keep up to date with your work? The album, I think, comes out on the 27th of January. It does indeed on Jazz Is It Records, okay. which is... Uh, Trudy Kerr's nice. label Sh- should mention cool. uh, we haven't even mentioned it yet but the album was produced by Jeff Gascoigne who was a wonder well we love Jeff he played here in, in sunny Watford back in Brilliant. October 
uh, for a Dudley Moore show we put on. Uh, he's Cool Bananas. Uh, yeah, so Jazz Is It is yeah. the label. The album is called... Two for the Roads, and you can buy it at taraminton.com. Marveloid. Uh, and would you be touring and, and doing other such exciting things, or is it too early to say in the COVID world? The plan is yes. The plan is <laughs> yes. And we've we've got some lovely gigs booked in already, but we'll see. There'll be, there'll be stuff going on. Well, we're very excited for you both. And uh, we think... Well, we think, I think, the album is magnificent and I will heartily recommend it. And I should also, even though I've got a freebie, go and download it. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. My absolute pleasure. So if you've liked what you've listened to today, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you want to know more about Watford Jazz Junction, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com. Follow us on our various social media for other outlooks on the world. Or email us at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com. Um, next time... We're in conversation with classic sax supremist Jess Gillum. But until then, it's goodbye, lovely listener. It's goodbye, Tara. Goodbye. And it's goodbye, Ed. Bye-bye. Stay safe and always remember to connect with something new. Take care. Bye.